welcome to the WTJX newsfeed. In today's top stories, Virgin Islands Police Department Commissioner Ray Martinez says thousands of undocumented immigrants are entering the territory. Virgin Islands native and former Major League player Alvin McBean has died. Two men plead guilty to the 2020 murder of Kamal De Silvia on St. Thomas. These stories and more on today's WTJX newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. As thousands of migrant caravans travel from varying countries into the continental United States daily, lawmakers were surprised by VIPD Commissioner Ray Martinez's testimony on the large number of illegal migrants making their way into the territory by way of St. John. In 2023, we, um, the VIPD encountered uh, 627 uh, undocumented individuals uh, on St. John, and um, of the 627, uh, 229 were apprehended. Commissioner Martinez says federal partners like Homeland Security and Customs at Border Protection took custody of the 229 migrants. In that, we had um, an ongoing initiative with our federal partners in which uh, an operator of one of the vessels that was bringing these um, folks in was um, apprehended uh, in addition to two individuals who were um, picking and transporting these undocumented individuals was actually uh, were arrested uh, on federal charges. We have ongoing initiatives with our federal partners with this. Um, one of our shortcomings is the fact that we are willing uh, to do more, but um, will not be able to to the extent possible, and, and that's on the marine side of the, um, of the house, until we can um, obtain the um, GO-FAST for um, the St. Thomas St. John District, uh, the, uh, which is under construction and we won't have in our possession until probably the first or second week of uh, March. We strongly believe at that time that once our GoFast is here with the other assets that resources that we have, that we are going to be able uh, to make uh, a great impact mm -hmm. on these incursions. The commissioner stated that by the department's estimation, more than 60% of the migrants that come through St. John are unknown to the department and its federal partners. He stated that since the start of the new year, they have already encountered 150 undocumented individuals on St. John. Last year, easily, we could say that there were probably more than 2,000 um, plus right. undocumented persons that came through here. Historically, he says, migrants have usually traveled from the Dominican Republic and Haiti. But now we um, have an uptick in folks from Romanian crime families. We have, um, we're experiencing uh, incursions with folks from as far as Cameroon. Um, Venezuela, uh, Paraguay, Argentina, Cuba, the Ukraine. Uh, so again, you know, this is an issue that, um, that we're combating. Senator Franklin Johnson sought further information on the numbers given by Commissioner Martinez. Commissioner, you, you said that there were some 600 
and 200 was held by your federal partners. What actually happened to the next 400? Uh, based on the federal statute, uh, some of them are released uh, into the community and um, they're documented, uh, released into the community um, for various reasons and then they are, um, have to check in, for lack of a better term, with the um, federal partners in order to um, it facilitates some of their movements to the U.S. mainland, and um, others are allowed to stay here and to seek their, um, you know, whether they're seeking asylum or they're seeking um, their paperwork. Senator Maurice James described the revelation as a burden on the local community. Senator Ray Fonseca equated the unknown 2,000-plus undocumented immigrants to the total staffing of the Virgin Islands Police Department, the Department of Health, and the Department of Human Services. There are more undocumented immigrants came into the community than all of those folks, just to show how big it's a problem. Governor Albert Bryan Jr. announced today the passing of Virgin Islands native and former Major League player Alvin McBean. The governor stated that McBean's contributions to the world of professional baseball have earned him the respect and admiration of fans and fellow athletes alike and recognized McBean's 34 years in what was then the Bureau of Recreation, now recognized as the Department of Sports, Parks, and Recreation. The department's commissioner, Calvert White, said McBean's life is one that should be celebrated. What he did for, for not just baseball, for, but for the territory, as a former major league player, you know, we, we all are in mourning his loss. You know, my fondest memories of him uh, is as a kid, because I did attend the Department of Sports, Parks and Recreation summer camps. And he would probably be the first individual that I knew to be a professional baseball player. So I would always be in awe when I saw him at the ballpark. Um, later on in my adult years, ironically, the year that I started working at, at this department, Mr. McBean was on his way out. But he would always still come by the ballpark and, and, and you know, try to encourage uh, children in the sport of baseball. Um, my only regret is that, you know, we, we just started work on Alvin McBean Park um, and he won't be able to see the finishing project of the facility that bears his name. But we will continue to make him proud and continue to, to make sure his legacy lives on. According to VI Superior Court records, two men charged with the 2020 murder of Kamal De Silvia on St. Thomas have signed plea deals with prosecutors. Rasso Kimo Archibald and Tyler Labari were each charged with first-degree murder and related crimes in August of 2020. According to the plea agreement signed, Archibald has agreed to plead guilty to voluntary manslaughter. The deal also includes an agreement for a sentencing range of 8 to 10 years in prison, as well as an agreement to pay $10,000 in restitution to De Silvia's family for medical and funeral-related expenses. Archibald's sentencing is scheduled for February 14th. Labari, who was already facing charges on an illegal gun possession from a 2019 arrest, entered a global plea agreement in both cases and pleaded guilty to aiding and abetting second-degree murder and agreed to a sentencing range of 10 to 15 years in prison. Judge Carol Thomas Jacobs has scheduled sentencing for February 28th. Cabal de Silvia is the son of the late five-time Calypso King St. Clair Alfonso Wadabli de Silvia, who died unexpectedly in April of 2022.
When the Virgin Islands Port Authority welcomed for the first time the world's largest cruise ship, Royal Caribbean's Icon of the Seas, into St. Thomas, they marked the day by signing three agreements between the Port Authority, the Royal Caribbean Group, and Cruise Terminals International. We caught up with Carlton Dow, Port Authority Executive Director, on how the agreements will benefit the territory. The first agreement calls for $5 tariff that would go into an escrow account in St. Thomas, and that $5 would be on every passenger that comes off at Crong Bay, uh, that Royal Caribbean brings into Crong Bay. And so, which would be used for the pre-development, it's a lot of money in terms of the designs and all these things, the permitting process for the pre-development uh, part that we want to do, which is a couple hundred million dollar project, uh, you know, building out more uh, stores, restaurants, etc. in Crongby area. Mr. Dow says that the fee will also be applied to Royal Caribbean ships that port into St. Croix. The five dollars I speak about has nothing to do with the current tariff that they are paying when they come to the territory. In St. Croix, he says the funds will go towards further dredging to accommodate larger ships. And also that we could create a pool of uh, funding for small businesses in St. Croix that they would be able to be able to tap into and come up with some idea, some plan that they want to execute that would enhance the tour operations that goes on in St. Croix. One of the big things in St. Croix is the ability to increase uh, tour operations such as, um, you know, diving tours, snorkeling tours, heritage tours, what have you. Uh, there is a shortage and there's not enough of that. Adrian Williams Octolin, director of the Office of Disaster Recovery, shared with us insights from a meeting held this week with Governor Albert Bryan Jr. and FEMA Assistant Administrator Cole Tagmeyer, where they not only discussed the territory's disaster recovery projects, but also received news of a grant from the Department of Interior that will aid the progress of completing those projects. We've uh, been working on an initiative to support the territory with uh, some capacity issues that we've been documenting for many, uh, every opportunity that we've gotten, what the strategies that we're using to be able to rebuild and ensuring that we do so resiliently. And FEMA has always understood our efforts and our concerns and have been working in the background to provide us with some additional resources and we received notification that the Department of Interior provided grant funds to FEMA to provide us that type of support with our capacity. And they have executed a contract to help us to manage various aspects of the recovery to include construction management services, architectural and engineering services, um, as well as um, other planning and research resources here in the territory. The territory has struggled to move recovery projects along, and Director Williams Octolin says this grant will help the much-needed staffing support. One thing that we shared with FEMA that there's a lot of technical assistance that has been provided to the, to the territory. Um, what we actually need is people to actually do the work. So um, as a result of that, there was $7.5 million 
allotted by Congress through the Department of Interior's omnibus bill uh, for additional resources to the territory. And it's been termed the Insular Area Act Technical Assistance Contract and the Disaster Recovery Funds Assistance. It is actually the first of its kind um, that would be helping any of the territories. And it provides on-site personnel, uh, staff augmentation for engineering and project management. So there are several contractors that are on board, including um, AECOM and also Argonne National Laboratory and Research and the Research and um, Development Corporation, RAD, who did some studies here in the past as well. She says this will also help to cut through some of the bureaucratic red tape. We have been utilizing the additional resources to help uh, several projects in, in the housing realm and supporting some of the nonprofits and supporting projects that we don't have a lot of management costs per se to be able to execute the projects and augmenting these support necessary in the Department of Public Works to do construction management and some of the other construction administrative services required for the projects. The Office of the Lieutenant Governor announced today a waiver of all interest and penalties on real property taxes for a two-month period. The waiver is effective February 5th and will continue until March 29th. All interest and penalties will be waived if payment is received in the full amount of property taxes due for any tax year. Delinquent taxpayers who have installment payment plans can also take advantage of the amnesty, but must be prepared to discharge their full tax obligation. Property owners can access the Citizen Access Portal at propertytax.vi.gov or by contacting the Office of the Tax Collector to obtain any tax status reports. The Department of Planning and Natural Resources Division of Fish and Wildlife has embarked on funding the first artificial reef in the territory. The initiative is funded by the department's Disaster Aid Relief Grant and sub-awarded to the University of the Virgin Islands. Dr. Sidai Haptis, Bureau Chief of Fisheries, says it will be of great scientific value. The purpose of the project is to design, construct, and install, as well as to evaluate the effectiveness of an artificial reef in the waters of the Virgin Islands um, and to coordinate with the Division of Fish and Wildlife to understand insulation and create the, the artificial reef, but then also to test both the design of those artificial reefs and monitor the effectiveness of the type of materials used in the artificial reef construction. The reef's exact location has not yet been decided, but he says its creation will be of great benefit to the territory. Many people know that coral reefs in the U.S. Virgin Islands, um, especially nearshore reefs, have been in a steady decline due to a majority of factors, right? Anthropogenic impacts, climate change, the impacts of coral bleaching due to climate change, as well as, you know, new diseases like the severe coral tissue loss disease, which has impacted almost all coral reefs within the U.S. Virgin Islands. And so a large, you know, thing to understand is what are ways that we can increase coral growth, coral cover, and coral resilience. And by resilience, I mean their ability to sustain and persist, right? And so 
this project will both create an artificial reef that can be used by people who attract nearshore reef fish and create, you know, benthic habitat structure on the bottom for fish to come to, for people to enjoy, you know, eventually when it's a long established reef, a structure that can be used for fishing um, as well as recreational activities. But more importantly, what it does is it gives us a better understanding of the types of artificial reef substrate that need to be put out that can support growth and recruitment. And by recruitment, I mean new corals that are going to be settling in in nearshore areas. And so scientists have known that this thing that we call the biofilm, which is a mix of algae, other plant life, and, and other things that grow on the surface of, of, you know, old coral reefs and other benthic structures aid in recruitment of new corals to that, to that habitat. And so what we're trying to find out or what UVI is trying to find out with this project are what type of artificial solutions can support that growth of the biofilm, but also support recruitment of new corals onto the habitat. Dr. Haptis says the project is already underway. Dr. Marilyn Brandt, who is the main PI at the University of the Virgin Islands um, and has been involved in in artificial reef um, work within the U.S. Virgin Islands, more so coral restoration and coral growth. She has like a coral nursery program at the University of the Virgin Islands. So her and her partners at Reef Solutions at the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute um, are already working on this grant. They're in the process of doing the design Um, And they've already installed, as part of their nursery, coral fragments that they're going to be using for grow out onto the artificial reef. And they're already developing the settlement tiles, which they're going to use to monitor the effectiveness of the biofilm as well as settlement properties for the reef. Um, So they're, they're, they're well underway with the project. You're listening to the WTJX Newsfeed. The Charlotte Bali High School Fine Arts and Music Education Department presents to the community the Wizard of Oz musical. Directed by choir director Mary Christensen, the musical will be held on Friday, February 9th and Saturday, February 10th in the school's auditorium. The high school's musical director, Akil Peterson, says he wants the community to come out and support the students. The idea for the, doing a musical came from our choir director, awesome choir director, Ms. Christensen. And it's been years, I can't remember the last time um, Shada Mali has put on a musical. Um, so she came with the idea. And of course, being that it's the Wizard of Oz and everybody knows it, and we have some super awesome students here in the choir. I think, and I thought, I said, yeah, that would be an excellent musical to put on and show to the community that, you know, musicals are well and alive within the public schools. Again, the musical will be held next weekend on Friday, February 9th and Saturday, February 10th. The show starts at 6 p.m. and it's $10 for students and $15 for adults. In a reminder, the election system of the Virgin Islands will be hosting a series of trainings on completing the six Constitutional Convention nomination papers. 
Trading will be held in both districts on St. Croix on Tuesday, February 6 at 5.30 p.m. at the Elections Office in the Sunny Isle Shopping Center. A trading for the St. Thomas St. John District will be held at the St. Thomas Election Office in Lockhart Gardens on Thursday, February 8th at 5.30 p.m. The trainings will focus on the requirements to become a candidate, when to obtain packages for nomination, documents that are required when submitting the nomination papers, and any other pertinent election information. Interested candidates are encouraged to register by emailing Supervisor Caroline Fox at caroline.fox at vi.gov or by calling their respective election offices at 340-773-1021 on St. Croix or 340-774-3107 on St. Thomas. As we make our way down the news feed, we're turning now to our regional report. A boat carrying migrants capsized in waters near Puerto Rico. Ricardo Castrodad, public relations officer for the U.S. Coast Guard Sector San Juan, has the details of that unfortunate incident. Since yesterday afternoon, Coast Guard, federal, and local response agencies in Puerto Rico have been responding to a capsized migrant vessel off the coast of Camoy, Puerto Rico. So today, the search is still ongoing for possible survivors of that incident. Um, since last night and coming in today, uh, response agencies so far have recovered two deceased migrants from the water uh, and rescued 30 survivors that remain in federal custody. At least two survivors last night were transported to a local hospital, including a four-month pregnant woman. So Coast Guard watchstanders at Sector San Juan were notified at approximately 5.30 p.m. Uh, Wednesday by Border Patrol agents that they had received a communication from Puerto Rico police of a migrant vessel approaching the coast of Camoy. As the vessel was coming into the breaking surf approximately 300 yards from shore, um, the, the vessel capsized and threw everybody on board into the water. That generated an immediate response from Coast Guard launching helicopters and diver and and the and the Coast Guard cutter down on Horsley to try to get us on scene as quickly as possible and uh, uh, search for and rescue any possible survivors. Um, Coast uh, Puerto Rico police marine units were on scene, and uh, as the incident continued to develop, um, other response agencies from Puerto Rico Emergency Management Agency uh, uh, at the state level and uh, municipal emergency management agencies and EMS units uh, arrived on scene to um, assist survivors and, and continue and assist with the search efforts that are still ongoing. Since October 1st of 2023 through January 12th of this year, the Coast Guard has carried out 24 unlawful migration voyage interdiction in the Mona Passage and waters near Puerto Rico. There is a possibility for scattered showers this evening and rip currents on northside beaches. We're turning now to our meteorologist for the territory's weather forecast. Weak weather makers will remain in play, but the trend as we look forward to the next several days will be for brighter skies and a much lower chance of precipitation. 
Those leftover weak weather makers will give way to mostly high pressure as we step forward through the weekend. And it looks like temperatures will remain near seasonable values. For marine interests, a long period north and northwesterly swell expected to continue during the day Friday. So there is a high risk of rip currents, particularly north-facing beaches. Just a few isolated showers overnight tonight with a changeable sky, clear to partly clear at times. Temperatures drop back into the middle 70s, a light north and northwest breeze. Partly sunny at times tomorrow, middle 80s. Should be a nice Friday. Partly cloudy skies Friday night, mid-70s. Sunshine will mix with a few passing clouds on Saturday, but it looks like a gorgeous day and dry. Temperatures in the middle 80s. For WTJX, this is meteorologist Ross Smurley. We are at the end of today's WTJX News Feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. And if you haven't already, be sure to download the WTJX app. If you missed a part of our news, you can listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts.